There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're very welcome along to this week's edition of Flat to the Mat, the MMA podcast from News Ireland. I'm Simon Maguire, and I'm delighted as ever to be joined by head trainer at Team KF and Swords, Chris Fields, and by Bellator fighter, Paul Redmond. Welcome to the show, guys. <laughs> you said you only remember that because I had the hoodie on, did you? <laughs> <laughs> He's a devil. He is a devil. It's on. <laughs> it's on. But look, let's get straight to it. I mean, Chris, you picked Woodley to beat Burns there at the weekend. What, All right, yeah. What are your thoughts on the fight? A little bit unfair. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> look at this. Red uh, I thought it was um, it was obviously a very good performance. It, it's difficult, like, to look at some of that and go, has Burns improved that much, or has Woodley uh, digressed that much? Like, has, has Woodley gone backwards so far? But then there were shades of previous fights, wasn't there? Like, you've seen it before from uh, in the Usman fight, and then you've seen it in the Roy McDonald fight back in the day. So maybe it just doesn't deal that well with pressure fighters. And were you surprised by how dominant the win was for Burns? Um, if you're asking me a week ago, yes. If you're asking me after the first round, no. It was pretty clear what way it was going to go from then on, wasn't it? About three minutes in, you could tell how this fight was going to go. Yeah, I, I think from the very first when he got clipped straight away, he he, he realised that, yeah. oh my God, that power is something else. Uh, yeah, Burns, and Burns looked very confident then, like really confident for the rest of the fight, pressing forward. Woodley did that weird thing that he does. He fights like he's about six foot five. He backs off, puts his back on the cage, you know, tries to lean on punches and all. It's really strange style for a guy his build. Yeah. And Reggie, you were saying off air that you think that maybe it's a mental block with Woodley now. I think with Woodley, yeah, I think it's, um, I said it on two podcasts ago, which we're doing. It's, confidence is a big thing in this. You haven't got it, it doesn't, your, your skill set goes out the window if your confidence isn't there to use it or you're not going to throw what you're able, capable to do. Um, and I think not only is Woodley on a serious sort of mental block at the minute, but um, Tim Burns is on the other end of it, the spectrum. He's, uh, he's super confident. He's taking these short notes fights against good guys. Um, I think he's done, what, four fights in the last year, maybe? And he's competing on um, the likes of Sub Underground, Submission Underground, Child Sons, um, uh, Jiu-Jitsu uh, show. He's on the likes of that every other week against high-level guys. He's just on it. He's, you know, it's a, there's a lot to be said for that. Um, and then I sort of read somewhere that uh, Tyrone Woodley sort of went into a dark place after his last loss depression and all you're not depressed you're a bit down in the dumps because you lost your belt because the better fight I won you know we've all been there we're all big lads you were down in the dumps for a little bit um, but 
I just think confidence is huge in this game. You know, I think Bonzi Boy is right up there. And just speaking of confidence, I mean, it's not exactly a, a, a division now that you, you're going to get an easy fight in the top 15. I mean, I, I know I talked, I talked to Chuck Mindenhall and we'll we play that interview later on. But the, the welterweight division right now is Usman, Burns, Covington, Masvidal, Woodley, Leon Edwards, Stephen Thompson, Damian Maya, Michael Chiesa, Dasanyas, Diaz, Neil Lawler, Luke Pettis, McGregor. I mean, there's no, there's no gimme fight there. There's no easy fight. That is a stacked, stacked division. Well, all right. So I've listened to the the, the Chuck uh, interviews. Well, I know, I know what's coming. I do. I don't think you can leapfrog the likes of uh, Leon Edwards on the back of the guy who you, he was supposed to win. Like, so I don't think you can just take his place on a solid win. It was a good win. How many has he got a welterweight in a row? Three? You're talking about Burns? Yeah. Do, I do think he's, he four, from, he's four, four yeah. wins at it. Well, but do, do, do you think that's worthy to leapfrog somebody like um, Leon Edwards, who's won seven or eight, um, and killers as well, and beating them well? Like, he beat Gunny Nelson well, like, you know what I mean? Gunny, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He's beaten good as well, and at their own game, and he's he's he had a toy fight with Usman. Was it? It was that. It was close enough, wasn't it? Was, uh, remember? Yeah, yeah. Um, but I went to the judges and uh, kind of pulled that fight from Leon. You know, uh, deserves it. And then Masvidal's right after having a spectacular 2019 as well. I just don't think you can say that he leapfrogs those people. You're you're, you're kind of thinking of this like uh, a fighter, though, Paul. And like a coach and all those kind of, whereas like for a fan, it's like, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> Generally, isn't it? Like yeah. and that's where Burns comes in. You know, it's fickle. It's very fickle. Hey, but who who do you want to see fight uh, Usman next? I I think Edwards deserves a shot, but like I'm interested in seeing Burns on this run, and I want to see how it ends too. You know. And uh, they teammates and uh, managed with the same. Uh, Yaman Burns Ali, came out. Uh, yeah. Burns came out straight after the fight and said, I've loads of respect for you, but like, give me my shot. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I don't think when you go, to, well, you, you were there, you trained there. I trained in different places, but you were in, like, it's not like air teammates, Paul, like where we're tying all. They're all just. Yeah. To be fair, Troy Star, I thought, was um, they're a, li- a lot more close knit than American Top Team just because right. she so so is it a gym. Yeah. It was like we we, we were part of the match and there was about a hundred pro fighters on and then you'd get about thirty welterweights, maybe ten is in the UFC, the other twenty are trying to get in the UFC. So they're gonna fight anybody or any of that teammates yeah. just to get in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So maybe they're not that close. And who would you like to see Woodley fight next then? Or what where do you think he goes from here? I mean that's a it's two Pretty big losses, ten rounds in a row that he's lost. What What, what do you think is next for him? Um, Michael Chiesa. Yeah, go for it. Go for um, it. Anthony yeah. Pettis. <laughs> Can we just Pettis go one week without mentioning Anthony Pettis? <laughs> yeah, well, um, I think I'd like to see him. I know you're saying Covington is a really hard fight. I think it's going to be somebody like Covington that's going to push his buttons to either train that little bit harder or um, to come out swinging from the get-go, you know, um, and they've got similar styles of the heavy, um, heavy based wrestlers, you know. Um, oh, yeah, he's a good matchup. He's coming off a loss as well, is he not? Like, 
I think I think, sure the, I think the Covington one is the way to go there. I think he'd, he'd wind him up now and then it'd be just swinging from the fences. And just before I move on there, I mean, I caught up earlier with Chuck Mindenhall and, and here was his thoughts on the on the Woodley Burns fight. You know, man, it's funny because uh, we, did, we did see a similar version of Tyrone Woodley the last time he was fighting against Kamaru Usman, but this particular one was weird because I think I'd bought into the hype a little bit that he was going to show up. He'd mentioned that in the in the Usman fight when he lost his title, his body was in the octagon, but he wasn't. You know, he wasn't present. And I think that it really uh, meant something to me. I was like, I thought we'd see more of a vintage feel of Woodley, but when he got caught early in that fight against Burns, um, it seemed to me like he he thought he could get the better of him on the feet, and once he realized he couldn't right away, within the first 20 seconds of that fight, he kind of kept his uh, his guns holstered a little bit. It seemed like he was real gun shy, and he did not look like himself. So it was shades, actually, of the Usman fight in my mind. But a lot of that I attribute to just how good Burns is, man. And I have to be—I'd be the first to admit—I didn't realize his stand-up was that good um, to stand in there with Woodley. But he outclassed him really anywhere that fight went over the course of 25 minutes, and came out of it essentially in mint condition. Um, in his post-fight interview, I was just like, "This is that was a crazy performance." So as bad as Woodley kind of seemed, that's how good Burns looked. And uh, they, here we are, man. Now this guy's like knocking on the door of a title shot out of nowhere, <laughs> which is insane to me. Yeah, he's kind of he's kind of jumped the queue, all right. But when when you dominate Tyron Woodley like that, I think you kind of have. Yeah. Do you think you rec- do you think Woodley was just uh, pinged from the first punch and he just never recovered, never regained his composure? I think it did, man. Uh, Whatever his game plan was, I think that he really believed in the smaller cage, too, that he might be able to control kind of the striking and then work it maybe into the realm of his wrestling, but it did not go as planned. You could tell right away in that fight, and uh, I didn't really see a good plan B, man. It seemed like he didn't have um, the same confidence in a stand-up after that first exchange, and he almost gets finished, which was a crazy, crazy start, but it didn't seem like he had another gear and it didn't seem like he was, he could access another kind of game plan or uh, um, a mode of trying to get through this that, that, that fight. So I think that that first exchange kind of set the tempo for the whole fight. I absolutely do. And I, I think that has to be Baron's Usman next, Charlie. Yeah, um, I would be okay with that. <laughs> I would be okay with that. Um, Burns, man, like it's kind of crazy. I wrote a little piece about him being Mr. Pandemic. It, going into that fight against Damian Maya a couple months back, the guy had won a couple of fights at welterweight, but nobody was really talking about him. He wasn't in the same orbit as um, you know as Kamaru Usman. But two quick fights like that, when I, if you look at the pecking order, or if you want to call it, or if you want to look at the rankings where Tyrone Woodley was set. You kind of take his spot, and it helps him too. But that there's a a very strange kind of um, preoccupation with the rest of that division, you know, like uh, Colby Covington having just lost to Usman, um, guys like Leon Edwards who he filled in for essentially in this fight, he kind of leapfrogs him in this weird way. So um, it kind and Masvidal having no real, you know, no real care if he fights for the title seemingly. Um, those things all benefit him, you know. It all benefits Burns. So I wouldn't be a bit surprised now if the UFC looks that direction. It's a bit of murder as well in the welterweight division at the moment. It's Usman, Burns, Covington, Masvidal, Woodley, Edwards, Thompson, Maya, Chiesa, Desanyas, Nate Diaz, Jeff Neal, Robbie Lawler, Vincent Duque, Anthony Pettis, Conor McGregor. I don't think I've ever seen a murderer's road to, from one to, from champion to 15 like that. Have you? No, man. no, man. I think this is by far the deepest it's ever been. And we've seen some deep versions of it. You know, during GSP's day, there was a nice 
uh, top 10 at times. There were guys coming up uh, and, and the guys who were like the staples, like the Carlos Condits and those types kind of hanging in there. But man, I have never seen it where the parody is that much where you could actually match 15 against two and you really still wouldn't know who to pick in that fight. I mean, the, the, the parody of that division is off the charts right now, man. So who are you going for then in Covington and McGregor? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as a, those two guys fighting each other? That's 2 and 15 right now. That would be amazing. <laughs> I would love it, man. I would love that matchup. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be something else, sorry. And then what's, <laughs> what's next for Woodley? I mean, because it's he has to win his next fight or, or move division, yeah. really, doesn't he? I think the guy has to do some soul searching, man, because honestly, like it's kind of a red flag when you show up and you're beat basically 10 straight rounds from a championship fight His Darren. So fight where he looked amazing. The next 10 rounds he has lost. I think he's got a little dig a little deep and find out how much he still wants it at his age and what he's been able to accomplish. And if he chooses to go in there again, maybe go against more of a middling welterweight, because like you just mentioned, they're all kind of murderers up all through that top 15. I would rather see him go against a guy um, you know, more in the middle of the pack, who I, who we'd have a shot against because uh, that the version of someone I just don't want to see him as one of those guys. We saw it with we've seen it with guys like Henan Barrow. You know, there's been certain guys who just that once they start losing, man, they can never rediscover themselves. And uh, I would hate to see him get that. So I'd rather he get kind of a guy that he should beat now if he's going to keep going. And just moving on, the 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 news during the week, funny enough, was out of the octagon with. Uh, the dispute between the UFC and John Jones over his potential super fight with Ngannou and, and pay pay dispute and yeah. what, what's your take on the whole thing? <laughs> well, I tell you what. At first, I uh, okay. So let's just start with John Jones. I mean, this is like a, a very strange turn, right? Because this guy had his uh, had a second or third DUI or whatever it is just a couple months back. Uh, I you know it seemed kind of impossible for him to steer public sentiment towards him. But this is that rare moment where somehow that has happened. And it took a, an antagonist as big as Dana White, basically to drag that out of him, which is a very intriguing thing. But when you think about John Jones and you say, Hey, what have we been pining for? He's, he's mentioned and flirted with the idea of going to heavyweight and he wants to fight the scariest heavyweight going right now. I think, uh, Francis Ngannou is hands down that guy, that type of fight is so big you can't help but side with John Jones, you know, in this type of situation. Regardless of it's money or whatever the the snagging point, which clearly it is money in this situation, you're going to sign with John. You're going to side with John Jones. So I think I like it because he's playing it out in public a little bit, and he seems very sincere for the first time in maybe his career. He's not only not only are fans kind of siding with him, but he, it, it seems to me like we're getting like the genuine article. He's telling you exactly what he really thinks, and uh, he's kind of. Get, he's garnering public sentiment, and I believe that he believes that he's ready to step away from the fight game. I think that he's like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll just uh, I'll go do something else. Now, do I think that sticks? So ultimately, I think we both know how this works, man. He's still making millions of dollars. He will be back, but I think right now his conviction is pretty strong uh, to give up his belt if he has to. It's kind of like that, you know, in, in, in poker when you have the perfect hand, you kind of go all in. This is his leverage. This is his moment to really push home for, for big pay-per-view points, and, and the same for Nganu. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Do you think that fight could do a million pay-per-views? I do, man. And you know, it's funny because you hear Dana White say something along the lines of, hey, look, you know, he is the goat in this game, but he's not the draw. But if you look at the types of 
pay-per-views John Jones has had, if he, if they put him with the right dance partner, he is the draw. Like Daniel Cormier, one and two both did 800 to 900,000 range, and then even a Rashad Evans fight back in the day because it was such a blood feud, uh, did like 700 over 700,000 uh, pay-per-view buys. The bottom line is he's a draw, but his fights are not very sexy fights over the last cor- the course of time. I mean, you're talking about guys like Anthony Smith, obviously, Tiago Santos, these types of names. It just, people, I don't know if we tune in just to watch John Jones because he's not like, he's not Ngannou. He's not going in there destroying guys, but he's going to go out there and beat him with his prowess over the course of five rounds. It's, it's so, he is the GOAT. He is a draw, but you got to find the right dance partner, and this is the absolute right dance partner at the exact right moment. So, in my mind, this is probably one of the biggest, other than maybe a, a Conor McGregor pay-per-view, and uh, we'll see what he, what he comes up with next. This is the biggest pay-per-view the UFC could put on. Yeah, it's kind of one you want to see resolved because I think Jones has moved to heavyweight is one we've been waiting for for a long, long time. And it's oh, not, yeah. He's not cherry-picking. You know, Nganu isn't, isn't a cherry-picked fight. It's not like I'll have a, a feeler out or see how I do with the weight and then I'll go for it. It's, this is it. Like it, The initial line, the initial betting line was actually favoring Nganu, which is, I mean, to me, that's everything. If you can put John Jones in a situation where he's supposed to lose... I think that that's the novel, uh, that's the selling point of this fight. We've never seen John Jones, maybe, I can't really remember the last time doubt was cast so big on a fight. Maybe the first Daniel Cormier, something like that. But even then, I think John was the favorite. So that's your setup. And I feel like that that, you know, you know how the sporting libido works, man. It's like you want to see the weird novelties and everything that go on into the game. And you want to think that John Jones is going for something rather than defending something because that's when it brings out the best John Jones. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully they get a they get a deal done and just chuck chuck a few pay per view points to the guys and get it, let's just get yeah. it sorted. Like I think they will. I think this this doesn't strike you as one of those situations where eventually they get on the phone and they they kind of hash this out. Like I feel like that's what's going to happen uh, in short order at some point coming up here. It does strike me that that may happen in the in the very near future. <laughs> uh, looking ahead to the weekend, I mean they're coming thick and fast. It's UFC two fifty. I mean it feels like we were only talking was it last week or two weeks ago about two forty nine. So Amanda Nunes is back. I think she's on an 11 fight win streak taking on Felicia Spencer. Um, I think it might be a bit too soon for Spencer. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> yes. Um, it just it tells you the dearth of actual viable contenders, right? When you have somebody who it doesn't really have a ton of experience. Somebody pointed out to me that right around the time when uh, Amanda Nunes beat Misha Tate at UFC 200 to win the bantamweight title is when Felicia Spencer debuted as a pro. I mean, and you look at that, that so that 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 kind of uh, experience discrepancy obviously is a fairly big red flag, you know, like that you're saying, well, uh, it, that's why Amanda Nunes is a 7 to 1 favorite, you know, in this fight. It's going to be interesting. Um, there there are a few kind of um, interesting elements of this. I think the biggest one being that if Amanda Nunes, you know, Amanda Nunes has fought in one featherweight fight. It was against Chris Cyborg. That was a big one, but she finished her in, in 51 seconds. So we didn't get a chance to really see if Cyborg started to really just muscle her and and make it ugly and put her on the fence a little bit and just, you know, just kind of wear her down. What might have happened in that fight? I think that's Felicia Spencer's only path to victory is to kind of try to find out the, being the bigger entity in the ring, trying to wear on her, trying to drag her down, neutralize her, frustrate her, and that sort of thing, and see where that takes it. But definitely trying to drag it in uh, deeper into the fight. I think that's her only uh, her only chance in this one. And then the co-main 
he's it's an exciting bout. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, uh, Rafael Asensio. But it's kind of like um, a crossroads fight for both of them. Um, yes. Garbrandt's coming off three stoppage losses. Hasn't fought since March last year. Says, you know, he's back. He's ready to, to reclaim the belt, so on and so forth. But if he loses this, it's uh, I think I might have to change weight division. Yeah. Yeah, this is definitely one of those fights. It's funny because these guys are so opposite. In these, and that's why it's a co-main. You have a five-fight combined losing streak, right, between these two guys. But it's still a co-main. Not because of Rafael Asuncao, who basically has been a top five guy. Maybe he's out of it now, but he had been for the entire decade. He'd lost only one fight in 12 uh, from 2000, I think, 11 to 2017 or 18. It's just an amazing run, but he just never had that uh, that shine. Whereas Garbrandt had all the shine and all the marketing and all the buzz, and he, you know, he's he's got all the uh, kind of sponsors and he has the backstory with uh, Maddox Maple the uh, the kid with leukemia who you know he had a book deal he was going out with Paige Van Zant he was like all these things he was like he kind of had everything with him and he still carries the import of a of a champion and like a uh, a, a guy that is unresolved in that division still being only in his 20s I think what is he like 26 years old right now he's pretty young still um so he kind of has he still has all that and I feel like we're, he's been impending, and people are kind of like, what happens here? So it's a, it's a big, big-time moment. They're, they're seemingly in the same spot, but I think it's a huge, huge spot for a guy like uh, Garbrandt if he's going to do anything more in this division. If he loses again, especially if he gets knocked out again, I he that would have to be one of the most precipitous drops I've ever seen from a, from a guy who was a champion and coming off one of his greatest showing, one of the greatest showings ever in that Dominic Cruz fight when he won the title. And then I, I have to say, I love it when they open an event with a fun fight like Eddie Wineland and Sean O'Malley. I mean, that's the, it yeah. kicks off the, the main card. That's just, that just gets you in the mood straight away, I think. Yes, I agree with you, man. Um, I was so impressed with a guy like Sean O'Malley, who's still so young, but he lost two years, very vital years, where in the, in the UFC, I think, where he could have really been a star by now. But as it is, he's still got a big name, and I, he's still got a big personality. And I think that this last fight uh, that he that he had showed that he has a large chip on his shoulder, and he knows how to execute it. Like, he knows how to bring it in with him and, and put it into a sporting sense and, like, take a guy apart. Um I think he's for real, man. And I, this whole this whole card is really a big bantamweight showcase, right? Because there's three big bantamweight fights on the main card. And I think this one holds some very special injury because I think the UFC wants to see O'Malley um, get by a sturdy veteran like Eddie Eddie Wineland. Uh, make it, may if he could do it impressively, that's great. I think that this is one of those baton passers, you know, from a guy who has a nice legacy, and it's a big moment for uh, O'Malley to kind of stake his claim into that space. So I, I think it's a it's really good, fantastic uh, matchmaking. I think that the UFC's um, idea on it is this is a chance for O'Malley to kind of go in there and slam dunk on somebody, you know what I mean, and really show what he can do uh, to his audience. So we'll see if it pans out that way because Eddie Wineland always brings it, man. He always brings it. So that was Chuck Mindenhall giving us his thoughts on the on the card to come this weekend. And as, it, as he was saying there, it opens with a, with a banger. Um, Eddie Wineland and Sean O'Malley. Is that the one you're looking forward to seeing? Yeah, cracker before you, yeah. Um... I think O'Malley does him. I think O'Malley beats Wynan. I, I think that's the UFC's plan, is it? That's their hope, I suppose, that O'Malley beats him and builds into it. But they're, they're testing him there. That's a tough fight. Tough. Yeah. I think it comes through this. I've seen somewhere that he was um, 
he was come out somewhere there the other day and was saying, like, you know, we'll only buy better guys for better money and stuff. So he wins this. I think it's uh, back to the negotiations with UFC for a better contract and stuff like that. But yeah, they could be pushing up for, you know, the belts sooner rather than later. There's that uh, Chase Hooper, Alex Caceres as well as a, that's a deadly fight. Yeah, I think that's a crap on. I like that kid, Chase Hooper. He just doesn't look like a fighter at all, which I love. But I always like that. Just doesn't. That's the kid uh, that looks like Ben Askren. Yeah, the curly head lad. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good fighter. Yeah. The on the prelims there's Brian Kelleher against Cody Stamen, and Charles Bird versus Mackie Patola, and no. then. On the main card, the main card series. Uh, so there's the Eddie Wine and Sean O'Malley fight. Then Magny versus Rocco Martin. That's a great scrap. Well, I've got to train with Magny for a bit over in Vegas. We, 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 uh, for a day. I like right him. Sounds. He's absolutely yeah, sound. Yeah, he seems it. Yeah, and he's solid too. Like good all rounder. Yeah. Like. And he hasn't fought in a while, has he? No, because he used to fight once every two months or something, didn't he? he used to be yeah. like, I think. He was the only guy that fought more than Cahill that year. Do you remember, like, Cahill did a, I think he had five or six fights? Yeah, yeah. He's not um, that big for welterweight, though. Like, I've seen some welterweights out there, the likes of Cahill and uh, Tom Breeze and stuff. They're units. Um, but he's not overly big for 170, which is probably what you could do with that many fights. He's banging year. them out, yeah. Hmm. I think uh, Rafael uh, Asensio versus Cody Garbrandt. Obviously, right, he's a fairly... Yeah. And Nunes and Spencer. Who has got with a Sunsell and Garban fight? I think it might be a little bit of what you were talking about earlier on about Woodley. Uh, uh, like Garbrandt hasn't fought in a while. You know what I mean? He might be in his own head with the um, Sunsell has been a lot busier, obviously. Like, yeah, and Garbrandt coming might, off might three, into three stoppages in a row. I mean, I'd, you might be able to tell me better, lads. I don't know. Three, three st- do you question your chin after three of them in a row? Is it in your? Is it in playing on your mind all the time? Do you, do you approach the fight I'd, the same way? I'd be retired, mate. Knocked out three times in a row. I'm done. Mate. Look. Yeah, I, like I got pinged in my last fight. Now, you know, I got submitted in the end, but um, you know, I've, I've been knocked out clean twice, not once after you that, but yeah, um, that's the. You know, um, so I don't know, but yeah, like Chris was saying, if I get sort of skidded across the mat, you're not too for a while. I'll be mid. Best to call it a day, but look, or if, if it really does go tits up this one, then you know where you're at, you know. Yeah, it, the other side is that he's fighting like the, the the highest level guys on the planet, isn't he? Gabrant, didn't he? Didn't he let something slip in an interview before? Yeah, uh, he, he showed he us how to do it. <laughs> yeah, he showed us how to do it. Like, oh man, <laughs> we I know you were doing it because you showed us how to do it. Oh. I've seen it a couple of times in the cycling documentaries they, where they've caught lads and the, the boys are in the room. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to do. It's not like you, you drank the wrong drink. You know what I mean? Like, I ordered the Mexican beef again. Whoops, sorry, lad. <laughs> it's Canelo job. Yeah. And looking across, um, looking ahead to the main event there, um, I was actually, who are you picking on that fight, by the way? Who are you picking? Yeah, who are you picking? Yeah. I'll go with... We'll no, we, we, we let, we let Chris go first because he's level known. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm gonna go Garbrandt. I'm just gonna go Garbrandt. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because I'm hoping he gets back to winning ways. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for him. Hope he gets yeah. it together. Oh, no, no problem. Second, since so two, two good fighters. I just do hope he sort of comes back and can put on a performance he did against Al Cruz at that time. Was uh, yeah, was great, you know. 
And you going with are you going with Asensio or are you just picking him because Chris didn't pick him? No, I'll go with him, yeah. I'll, I'll go with him. Well, it, stoppage it's a, decision. It's pretty much a it's a it's a throw up fight anyway, isn't it? A scrap like that. Yeah. Two really high level guys. Yeah, and uh, you were saying like uh Asuncio has been beat as well to two of his last three, was it? It's two of his last two. Two of his last two, fuck. So most win or both, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if they want to hang up around that, like, upper echelon. They have to, yeah. yeah. Garbrandt loses. Are they going to put him to the middle of the pack if he stays in it? Or are they going to keep giving him top-tier guys? I don't want to see him go down uh, a weight division because I don't think that's necessarily the answer to any of these things. I think if you go down a weight division, you're just you're still fighting the top guys, but you're miserable for three months cut weight. Well, weight, weight wasn't a problem when he beat Cruz. So why would it be the problem all of a sudden? You know what I mean? Like, like what? Yeah. It's just obviously something else wrong like, yeah. that he's losing these fights, you know? He gets a bit tick. He gets a bit tick in fights. Like, when he seems switched on, he's great. And then he starts bombing with boys, like swinging bombs, like, you know? Yeah. And, like, hands down at his waist. So I don't know. Maybe maybe a camp change or something. I don't know. I don't know what the move yeah. from is after that. Simon, who have you got? Uh, Garbrandt by points, I think. I think he's back. I'm believing. I'm believing the. I'm believing the talk. Demons are gone. I'm, re- I'm ready. I'm back in camp. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to let it go again. Another run at the title. It's it's almost it's it's like a more exciting fight to talk about than the main event because. The Nunes is just gonna come out and bomb your woman's jaw off. I don't even know your woman's yeah. name. Uh, Felicia Spencer is the victim, I believe, in this this fight. <laughs> I think that would. Well, uh, Nunes, Nunes, Nunes is an animal. You know what I mean. I think what she eleven, 11 straight. She's fought the best of the best, two weights. And her eight. last performance was very average, though. She had a very sloppy kind of jiu-jitsu performance. Uh, like she's a black belt, and there was some just. If, if you if you get a chance to look back at her, or if you remember it, it was just like you'd be offended by some of the grappling exchanges in it. It was pretty low level, pretty low standard. Some of the exchanges, and she's supposed to be a black belt, like. Just kind of real sloppy top pressure stuff, you know, this kind of like real, real sloppy, like stuff you fundamentals, not not flashy what's stuff, the, just fundamentals. What's all based? Uh, she seems to be like a taekwondo uh, kind of stylist on the feet, and she's a, a black belt in jiu jitsu. Black belts, taekwondo, and would you keep her on the end of teeps and kicks for the first round or two? Don't see her holding Nunez off to you, like with that. Yeah, she's a come forward fighter, Nunes, isn't she? She just yeah, she's very she's aggressive. Just swings when she's standing, but like they're not, they're not swinging for the hip with no intent. Like she's, she's aiming for your mush, like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, she is, and she's, yeah, I, she just seems to have an edge on all the girls at the minute. But like, I remember, um, I threw a few quid on uh, Ting to beat Ronda Rousey, and no one gave her a hope, like. Rondo seemed unbeatable. No one could touch her. And then uh, one night it was just over. And then it was never the same again. I was in down to me and shop and said that. And I said to myself, well, look, I think you won. What's her name again? Holly Holm. Um, yeah, I made a load of money on that one. I made a load of money on that one. Split to one. And I was yeah. like, I'm down and throw, like, yeah, it was a, a double. And I think Valerie Romano was fighting uh, somebody that night. Who was fighting? There was two guys fighting, I think, on that, or somebody else. And uh, I was like, I'll do a double for fucking 20 quid, I would have got like 300 quid back. Something along those lines. And I was like, do you know what? 
blonde is probably going to go out and arm bar again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I dropped it. And I, I actually don't really gamble on uh, fights that often. But uh, when there's a big gap like that, I usually throw a few quid in because even if you only win one of every 10, it probably brings your money back up to even anyway. What, mm-hmm. did, what did you drop on it? Uh, 100 quid on the home fight. Yeah. Uh, five, yeah, five, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Loving life. Lo- and I told a few other people to do it who did it as well, and they were delighted with me. Uh, every time I've told them since I get it wrong, as you can tell by your back and forth on this. <laughs> That's great. We've no actual evidence that you played this money or won it, do we? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I don't know. I can get my wife to confirm it if he's like later on on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. <laughs> So who are we going for that one? That Nunes, anyway, Nunes in the first. Nunes in the first round, is it? We're all going with Nunes. Yeah. yeah. I might. You won seven to one, though, isn't she? It's not even worth the fiver, is he? Everything's keep, keep worth the money. Fiver. Keep the money, Chris. Keep the money. <laughs> True. Uh, no, I can't. Well, you haven't. Imagine Nunes shot for a takedown and got guillotine or something. You'd be devastated. <laughs> yeah. I won't mind. One fight I let me down last week, uh, and it's the one me and you, like, uh, Chris, we were talking about. Oh, what was his name? Uh, yeah, I know you're talking about Bill. Um, he, ah. got, he got people the new views that come in last yeah, week. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it was a great fight, though. Yeah, and, it was a great uh, fight. He was the only, he was the only one to let me down. Yeah, Tim Elliott. He was the only one Tim to let Elliot, me down yeah. last week. And he got to get submitted by uh, a newcomer. He had a, he had a deep sub on at one point as well. Yeah, it was a it was a good scrap that. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Are you saying Elliot can't finish his submissions now? Is that what you're saying, Chris? I'm not saying that at all. I tell you, I actually love watching him fight. He, I I just think like he just goes and whatever, whatever he goes all out, like you know. Super gas. Yeah, your man um, your man did great though. I thought like like your man kind of wetted. Yeah. What do you think of uh, Cage Wars? Cage Warriors coming back in September. That's what they're saying. Uh, See that being possible? Um, I think with UK fighters in the UK, maybe, yeah. Um, but I don't think they'll get um, the Irish fighters over. just can't say. I, I don't right. think they'll allow to travel back and forth. I think they might do a home-based UK show and like the Satanta Sports, empty, empty fucking... Yeah, yeah, no. the, that BT Sports thing would be good, wouldn't it? That'd be the, Sorry, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'd imagine they'd have to let Irish fighters fight, given that we're in the common travel area. Uh, I think if we fly there, the problem is, because is, I wouldn't mind having a scrap on it if it's happening in September. If, if we fly there, we'd have to come home and we'd have to isolate for two weeks after coming home. I think that, I think they're looking at um, not doing the whole two-week quarantine when you come home. Uh, they, they come out there well. They didn't come out. People are pushing for it because the airlines are pushing for it because it means tourism here is taking a hit. So people coming over here, they're trying. They're trying to get it so you don't have to hold for it. Right. So that's like, that's that's. Like, you, you'd like to be on that, Chris, if if Irish fighters are allowed over. Oh uh, yeah, I, I messaged Graham immediately as soon as he said it. So I'm ready to pop. Let's go. Put, put me in, coach. Well, like I'm, I'm. Uh, my time's a ticking, so like I need to get them fights in. This grey is getting a bit like there's a lot more grey going on these days. You know what I mean? I need to fucking get them done and get out. Thank- thankfully, know, this is radio, not TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can see. It. <laughs> uh, speaking of fights, we're looking forward to, uh, which probably won't happen now. Uh, what, are your, what is your take on the John Jones situation? 
I mean, you, you heard Chuck there talking, he thinks maybe it'll get resolved in a, in a couple of weeks, but mm. as of right now, it doesn't look too good, does it? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think um, everyone wants to see that Jones and Gianni fight. I think, like, as we're saying uh, on the pod, uh, on the interview, in Jones, is, he has a really strong hand to play. He has every reason to say, uh, you know, I'm the best at what I do. Pay me. I'm going up the division to a guy that nobody wants to fight because he's banging their jaws off. Um, and they're not going to lose money. They're telling, they're, apparently, they, they are from, you know, what is base pay and pay-per-view points, the usual crack, which is not happy with. Just pay him what he's... They're going to make the money back somewhere down the road. Like, you know, and I think the old million boys could do more. It's a, it's a fight I want to see anyways. Yeah, I, I think it definitely does a million. And if, it, if they're selling pay-per-views in the States at, what, 70 $80, that's 80, 80 million. Give them the Especially. money. What? Especially if there's no other live sports on, they get this done in about six weeks. Go, man. Why, uh, why though, like, is the, like, for for Jones, the extra money is the pay-per-view points, is it not? That's what I don't really get. It's going to do the sale, so why is he not looking at it the same way? Yeah. It depends what pay-per-view points he was getting, though, doesn't it? But even if he's on, like, like, it's usually about 2%. You know what I mean? Like he could probably pop that up to five, and if it's gonna do a million boys, like, <laughs> yeah, he's grand. He he was saying like because he said he, he kind of did a sit like a silly thing. He's in a negotiation, and then he put out how much he's actually getting like per fight, which is not smart. How much is he getting? You know, he's making five million a fight. No, so he's not. Uh, stra- he's not strapped for a few points. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not like it's. It's not like they're giving him like a hundred grand or something. He's making fight like the lads fighting on the same card, getting eight and eight or ten and ten. You I know. I think it's. I think it's um uh, uh, the fact that the top top guys want to be paid with the top top guys in boxing. I get that's the problem. Yeah. You know, they're, they're seeing what Tyson Fury is getting forty million and yeah. Joshua's getting million. Why? Why can't I? And it's uh, yeah. Like the money is there. What the UFC give back to where uh, the fighters from their revenue stream, uh, from their revenue the percentage, is like what fifteen percent or something. Should I hope yeah, I think I saw that recently. It's tiny, but the likes of the NFL and stuff like that is like fifty percent. And NBA is uh, super along those lines. It's, it's a much higher percentage. So look, you can't fault John for asking my mom. But you know how how hard the sport is, Chris. Um, yeah, he's looking after himself. So it's, it's just, yeah. I'd like to see it and I'd like to see him get paid and walk off into the sunset or whatever he's going to do after the heavyweight.